refuge church, but I am so thankful to have him today. I call him a friend, and uh, we appreciate him and love him very much. Amen. Would you give Pastor Matthew a big... Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to come at today a little different. My wife said I look down too much at my screen, at my paper. It's flat, so I'm like... I'm going to look at this. I can see it. I don't got to look down. So that's how we're going to come at today and just try it out. So y'all are the lucky first time people that get to try this out. If it's horrible, just send me a message saying it was horrible. Don't ever do that again. And we'll be good with it, okay? But first, before we see it, I just want to say thanks to Pastor Tony and Pastor Bethany for allowing me to come back. It's an honor. From day one, you guys have made me feel like family, and I appreciate that. Coming in, just being young, just starting in ministry, it's an honor to be able to come and just speak to y'all. So thank you very much for that. Before we're seated, let's pray, okay? God, we just thank you for this time we can come together. God, we just ask that you just do a work in this room. God, that today starts the day of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. God, begin to speak to them. Begin to give them things that need to be pulled out and things that need to be pushed in. God, God, I ask that right now you begin to do a work. You begin to change the hearts, change the minds of the people, Father God. And when they step back into this room in a week, when they step back into this room in three days, God, that you have already begun to make an impact, God. And I thank you and I praise you, God. And just begin to touch the hearts right now, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Let's do this. I'm excited. Today I'm going to talk about convinced. But I'm going to convince you about prayer. Prayer. Why is prayer important? What is prayer? Why do we do it? How do we do it? When do we do it? And what makes it so beneficial for our lives as Christians? And I just have to start out with just a few questions. Do you believe that God answers your prayers? Do you believe God can still part the Red Sea today? Do you still believe he could heal the blind, cause the lame man to walk? Do you believe that he could change the change Saul into being like the Apostle Paul? Do you still believe that he has that same power today? If, if Jesus walks through those doors right now, that he could still heal someone that is sick, that is hurt, that is burdened, that is held down, that is locked in. I believe that power, and I want to start out with just a personal story, because the only way I know to be is transparent. If, if I'm transparent here, then you can trust what I'm saying, because I'm going to give you Bible, but I'm going to give you Matthew. I'm going to make it real for you today, and I want to start out with a story. Two years ago, my wife and I got pregnant. About week seven or week eight, we had a miscarriage. This time we're in our second year, end of our first year of Bible college, and the only thing that we knew to do was to take it all inside. Don't look weak. Hold on to it. Pray that God's got it. We don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. We're hurt. But as long as we don't let anybody else know we're hurt, people still think we're tough. So we did that. We didn't let anyone know. The only person, a matter of fact, that knew was Pastor Shane, my pastor. He walked up and said, I already know. And that was it. He was the only person. Fast forward, we, every day from that point, I was like, God, just, you know, give me another chance. I just want another chance. Give you a little backstory. Uh, my second daughter, I was going through a lot of issues in my life. I was on drugs. I was 
hooked on alcohol. I was out in the world. I was spending all my time in the bar, so I didn't get a lot of raising time with my second daughter. The newborn stage was kind of, it wasn't there with my second daughter. So when we got pregnant for our third daughter, I was like, this is my chance, my redemption story. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to step in when I didn't step in before. I'm going to do it. And then we have a miscarriage. Fast forward to today. About 16 weeks ago, I guess about 12 weeks ago, I found out my wife is pregnant. Two years. Listen, this is where prayer steps in. Two years. Every day I I would wake up and say, God, make today the day that we get pregnant. And it wouldn't happen. God, make today. Months would go by and you get that. If anybody in here knows I'm talking about, you get to that dreaded week and it's not this month. Not this month. Two years I prayed and I prayed. Just give me that chance. Give me that chance to show that I can do this. We find out we're pregnant. I would love to tell you that this pregnancy has been the easiest one yet, but it hasn't. We've gotten bad news after bad news after bad news. But I'm telling you one thing that I can promise you today is that we're still praying, that God's still working, that God still can do it. And I'm not giving up. I'm not allowing the enemy to step in. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep praying because I know that God can still part the Red Sea, that he can still heal the blind, and he can still cause the lame man to walk. I believe in this power. I believe that he can answer prayers. I believe that he still does answer prayers. So this morning, I want to take a moment and just convince you that when you pray, he hears you. When you're down, he hears you. Why should we pray? Praying is like a spiritual breath. If you stopped breathing, you would die. If you stopped praying, your spiritual health will die. If you don't take a breath, you're going to pass out. If you just sit and you walk your Christianity life out and you never speak to God, it's going to become very awkward when he's standing next to you looking at you like I'm just waiting to hear your voice. It's going to become very awkward. It's going to feel like he's there, but you don't think he's there because you're just not communicating with him. If you stay connected with God, it's the ability to talk to him. It's the ability for him to respond back to us. It's the ability for him to lead us. If you don't want to be led, just don't talk. The New Testament teaches that prayer is something, it's not something that you just do occasionally. It's something you do continually. It's not something you do when you want to do it. It's something you do because you have to do it. Come on, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. You can pray because you want to, you can pray because you need to, but if you don't pray at all, your spiritual health will take a fall. Come on, if you want to be spiritually and your soul to be healthy, you need to pray. It doesn't matter when or how or how long or what you say, but you have to pray. Charles Spurgeon once noted this, you don't expect a plant to grow without air and water. How do you expect your heart to grow without prayer? When Jesus walked the earth, he was God. He was God in the flesh. So if there was anybody on the planet that did not need to pray because he already knew the direction his life was going, it would be Jesus. But even the Bible says Jesus pulled himself back to pray. So if Jesus, being God in flesh on the earth, knew it was okay to pray that he had to pray, where are we at right now that we shouldn't pray? Come on. Come on. In the Gospels, it's no sense that often... He withdrew to lonely places to pray, Luke 5, 16. Prayer is not so that we can change God, but so that God can change us. 
A lot of us think if we pray to God, we'll change God's mind, and that's not the case. Sometimes we pray to God so he can change our heart. Sometimes the things we're looking at looks kind of crazy. It looks like we can't quite make it. I'm not sure how we're paying those bills. I'm not sure how I'm going to make it another year praying this same prayer. But God said, let me just soften your heart and say, I'm still working. I'm still walking this out with you. I'm still right there with you. Let me change your heart so when you look at this situation, you don't see it how you used to see it. You see how I see it. And that's when it becomes a little bit easier. Fox News said this. If you believed in the power of prayer, would you please pray more? I'm convinced that this world would be a better place if we took prayer more seriously. I'm convinced if if we made prayer not a spiritual practice, but a means in which God can change our lives, this world would be a lot differently. Sometimes we look at it and say, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I can't quite pray. That doesn't line up. No, you didn't go to church, so you need to pray more. Come on, y'all. Prayer isn't just helpful. It's important. Prayer is the responsibility that we can bring a little bit of heaven to a broken world. Prayer is an opportunity that we can reach in, grab a little bit of heaven, and bring it down here to Vicksburg when it looks dark. Prayer is when we can walk into a women's prison, bring it back down, and cause revival. Prayer is when we can walk into a broken house and bring it back down and have that house get lifted back up. That's what prayer does. I'm convinced that God just doesn't hear our prayers, but he answers them. I'm convinced that he's not just aware of us, but he's deeply concerned with us. Who's the best one? I'm, con- I'm convinced that God intervenes in a miraculous way so that we can have victory. Come on, I'm convinced that it's not just coincidence, but I believe it's when we look at coincidence, it's God's way of remaining anonymous. That God can take credit for something and the world can say, that's coincidence, but God say, no, that's just me saying I'm going to be anonymous and this is for you to have victory. Come on, I'm convinced that not only is God real and alive, but he's also at work in our lives. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. He's all things at all times. Amen? I'm convinced more than ever now of God's power. The third song we sang was talking about the cross. To a lot of people, the cross is foolish, but to us who are saved, it's power. You can look at the cross and know what the cross represents. It's power. God's prayer is powerful. I'm convinced that he answers prayers. Prayer brings more of heaven into this broken world. I'm reminded of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah records where the Israelites wanted to go back to Jerusalem to build a, to build a wall around Jerusalem. The walls had fallen and they were hurt and they wanted to build it back. And and Nehemiah 1 4 says an Israelite who worked for the king of Babylon began to pray and fast before the God of heaven. He was hurt. He didn't know what to do. So he prayed and fasted. He didn't know how he was going to make this happen. He was still underneath this ruler in Babylon. He knew that he wanted to build this. His heart hurt for this situation. So all he knew to do was pray and fast before the God in heaven. And when he started to pray and when he started to fast, the world began to change. Maybe this world would be crazy. Maybe this crazy and crazy world we live in is because the church body is beginning to pray less and less. 
You don't want it to be crazy, but you don't want to take 10 minutes to pray. You don't want it to be madness, but you don't want to take five minutes out of your busy day and pray. When you pray more and more, the world become a little bit less and less crazy. Jesus told us we should pray. When you ask, why should we pray? Luke 11, 2 says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Did you notice it said, when you pray? Not if you pray. He's saying, when you pray. When, not if. That's a big trouble for some of us because you say, I don't quite feel like it. He don't care. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. When you pray. When you pray. Victory is when you pray. If you're a Christian, you're a praying person. It doesn't matter. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to call yourself a praying person. If you don't know how to pray, you need to get into a quiet area and you need to call out Jesus. It's that simple. Jesus. I don't know what to say. Jesus. Because he already knows. He's just waiting for you to say it out of your mouth. Jesus. Come on, y'all. I know y'all came in here with something today. I know you came in here trying to figure out what I'm going to do for this 21 days. What am I going to give up? What am I going to do? How am I going to pray? What am I going to pray? God, what do you need me to pray for? Listen, I'm telling you, he knows what you need. Just open your mouth. Pray with faith. We often pray with hope. We hope something will happen. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Jesus told us this in Matthew. If you believe, you will receive. God answers your prayers. Believe it or not, everything that you've prayed for, he's given you an answer. It could have been a yes. It could have been a no. And it could have been a not now. But he answered you. A lot of you don't want to take no as being an answer. That you get a no and you still continue to pray. Well, God hasn't quite answered. No, God hasn't gave you your answer, but he's given you an answer. It's just not something you're willing to accept. Some of you are saying, well, I need to go right now. God's saying, not right now. Not this moment. Not now. It's not a no, and it's not the yes you were looking for. It's a not now. It's stay where you're at. I need you right here for this moment. You don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're touching. You don't know who you're talking to. Not right now. That's still an answer. That's still an answer. When you pray, I believe he can do anything. When we pray, faith isn't about what God, what we can get from God, but what God can give to us. Come on, a lot of us wake up in the morning and say, God, I need, God, I need, God, I want. God, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm right now. God, give it to me this way. I need it right this second. And God's saying, just give me thanks for, number one, you woke up. Number one, your family's healthy. Number two, you got a nice job. Number three, you got a house. You got food on your table. Pastor was saying it's so great. You got all these things lined out in front of you. Just give me thanks for those things that you prayed for many years ago. My life, I grew up and I was very poor, and I was just talking to my daughters about this, and I said, when I was growing up, our canned goods was a white label with, with black lettering. It said beans. It said corn. 
It was like a mystery meal every time my parents would cook. Like, what are we having? I don't know, beans and corn. You don't know if it's homestyle corn, cream corn, regular corn, full corn or corn. You didn't know what kind of beans it was. It could have been green beans. It could have been baked beans. You just know you're having beans and corn. That's where I was at. But uh, now that I'm a little bit older and I can go and I can get the Campbell's soup and I can go and get the, the, the good stuff, the other things don't matter as much. Just give God thanks for where you at or where you came from. Because he heard those prayers when you were young. He heard those things and said, I don't want to do this when I'm older. I don't want to be my family like this when I'm older. So here you are older. And he gave you everything that you lined out the way you wanted it. Just give him thanks for those things. Pray in the morning. Pray in the evening. And pray every moment in between. Jesus gave us lots of practical advice about prayer. He gave it his own example of his own life in Mark 135. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus began his day with prayer. Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Now, this is hilarious to me that Jesus knew 2,000 years ago that distraction was going to be of the enemy to keep you from praying. 2,000 years ago, if it was a distraction for Jesus 2,000 years ago, I can only imagine the distraction it is right now for all of us. I don't know about y'all, but if I leave my cell phone away from me for like three minutes, I have like withdrawals. I'm like, where's it at? I feel it gone. Where's it? I have it right here. It's not, I'm not going to use it, but it's like right here. It's, it's a distraction. Imagine in the digital age we live in today how much more of a distraction it is. I'm convinced if you put your cell phone down, if you separate yourself from the world for even 10 minutes, that God's going to meet you in that place. That he's going to take everything that you bound up and wound up and you prayed out in that quiet spot and he's going to pick you up. He's going to give you a little bit of grace. He's not just going to leave you there. He's going to pick you up, pet you back on solid ground and just nudge you on your way. But you got to get away from the distractions. The New York Daily News published an article in May based on a study conducted by Microsoft, and this was amazing. The attention span has decreased four seconds since the year 2000. Four seconds. That's a lot of time. If we sat here quiet for four seconds, let's try it. No one say a word. Boom. That's, that's a long time. It got awkward for a lot of us in here. Four seconds of our attention span has decreased since the year 2000. If you don't shut the world off and pray, you have a hard time opening your heart to God. A lot of us are so callous and our hearts are so tied up that if we just don't separate ourselves from the things that are holding us back, we're never going to open up that heart. You're going to build a wall and God's going to beg you to get in and you're going to say, not right now. This week, I challenge you to pray in the morning, pray in the evening. And pray every time in between. My grandmother, my wife's grandmother actually, who I claim as my grandmother because my family's pretty crazy. She gave me this acronym for praying. It was when I was very early. I was just, I don't even think I had gone to church maybe twice. And I was, she said, you want to know how to pray? Let me teach you how to pray. If you follow these four steps, you will pray and, 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 and you'll, you will get something out of it. Because I would tell her, I would go into this dark area and I would just sit there. And I would just, it would be blank silent. Because I'm like, what do you, what do I even say? How do I start this out? Just 
do I just wait for him to talk to me? Do I talk to him? But it would just sit there, and I would tell her, and I would confess. I would say, I sat there for 15 minutes. And she'd say, why did you sit there so long? You didn't figure out after five minutes that nothing was going to happen? I'm like, I thought you had to wait a certain amount of time. Like, give God time. He's got other people dealing with some things, you know. My stuff ain't that bad. He, I can wait. You know, <laughs> it's like we all, we, I ain't dealing with much. I got time. God, do your thing, man. There's other people out there with some crazy stuff. But no. So she's like, listen to me, son. Listen. I'm going to give you this acronym of ACTS. And I said, all right. She said, start with adoration. Give God some praise. And I said, okay, I can do that. And she said, then go to confession. Confess your sins. Everything that you've dealt with, even for that day. If you don't want to go back, well, just go to that day. And then she said, and then go to Thanksgiving. Thank God for his provision. I said, all right. So I'm writing this down. I said, okay, what's S? And she said, supplication. I was like, okay, is there an easier S? Because I'm going to look at supplication in my quiet time, and I'm going to be like, oh, Lord, what is S? <laughs> and she said, it's easy. Just give God your requests. Just give God your requests. I'm like, okay, give God praise, confess your sins, thank him for provisions, and give God requests. I can do that. How long does it have to be? She said, there's no time. She said, but if you do it, you're going to notice how fast time goes by. She said, you might look down after adoration and be doing 15 minutes. She's like, by the time you get to supplication, it might have been 45 minutes. She's like, or you can do all of them in five minutes. But regardless, you're still doing it. And I said, wow. And that from that day, this five, five, maybe six years ago, that's still how I pray. Because I'm an order guy. I'm a I'm going to give me direction. If Don't just say go there and do it because I'm going to sit there. I need direction. I need order. And God's a God of order. So whenever I sit there and I got direction, bam, adoration. Okay, I can do this. Confession, I got you. Thanksgiving, I got you. Supplication, I got you. And I'm hitting all these things. Time doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't become awkward at this point. This third thing is pray with honesty. Pray with honesty. You can be honest with God. He already knows. You don't have to master old English King James Version. You don't have to talk to him like you've been going to church for a million years. Just be honest because he knows you for you. Just be honest. You don't have to think before you speak. That's the best part about God that I love. Sometimes I just want to go into the, my prayer time angry, and that's okay with God. That's okay. He doesn't have an identity crisis. He doesn't change because you're upset. He doesn't change because you're angry. He doesn't change because you haven't gotten your way. God's still going to be God because he believes in that. He doesn't have a problem with you walking into a room and being angry. He doesn't have a problem with you walking into church angry. But he does have a problem if you hold on to it. You've got to be honest with God, and you've got to be honest with yourself. Hebrews 4.16 says, you can boldly walk into the throne room of grace and find help in the time of need. Jesus can take your emotions, your questions, your concerns, and he will give you answers. Just be prepared for the answer. It might not be what you want. Jesus can take anything that you're dealing with and hang on to it, and it's not going to affect you. When you pray, speak up what's on your mind. God's throne room is a safe place. 
Some of us like to think, I don't want to tell God all the bad stuff. I'm still trying to receive that blessing. And God's saying, when you give me the bad stuff, I'll give you the blessing. You're holding on to some things that you don't need to hold on to, and you can't accept any more things. Some of us hold on to so many bad things that God does. There's no room for any good things. We hold on to anger, so there's no room for happiness. We hold on to a, to being upset, so there's no room for joy. If you drop your emotion of being upset, your anger, your burden, you can get some freedom. You can get some peace. You can get some laughter. You can get some joy. You begin to walk around with your head held high because you made room for God to do something. And man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. What you are on your knees before God is all that you're going to be. You can't pretend to be anything else. God knows it already. You can pretend to put on a nice shirt, come all dressed up, but God still knows your home life's a wreck. You can walk in here and smile and be happy, Dory, and be excited, but God still knows you're dealing with some things on the inside, that you're still dealing with some depression on the inside, but it's easy to lie and to fake everyone else, but you're not faking God because God knows the real you. You are what you are on your knees before God and nothing more. Let's just ask this question. Has this convinced you yet to pray? Has this convinced you that God still is performing miracles? That he's still making a way, that he's still changing the world, that even if nothing else happens in your life, prayer should still be a priority. Even if you don't get the answer you're looking for, prayer should absolutely still be a priority in your life. I know some of you are going through a difficult time. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm not up here faking this. I'm up here telling you that this is how I walk. This is what I deal with and how I deal with it. That, yes, I'm going through some issues with my wife's pregnancy, but I know that as long as I'm still praying and God's still walking it out, and as long as I still have a house, I still have healthy kids, I still have a healthy family, that God's still in the business of doing miracles. And if he doesn't, I'm still okay with that because he's still a good, good God. He's still a good, good father. That if this thing turns out to go a direction that inside I don't want it to go, I'm still okay with that because I know he's still hearing me. And a bad day with God is better than a good day without him. You hear me? Perhaps, perhaps you're struggling to prayer because you're struggling with faith. Maybe a tragedy has happened in your life and you're going through some issues and you're looking at some situations like, I don't feel like praying because this happened to me. Well, listen to you. Jesus didn't feel like praying because he knew it was going to happen to him and he still prayed. Your situation may look crazy. Your situation may look like it's there's no way out. But God is the God of the impossibles. He's the God of the miracles. He's what you need when you need. But he's only there if you call. The power of prayer is only good when it's used. God's power is only good when it's called upon. Come on, maybe you're going through a time of relationship issues. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's communication. God's still a God that can fix a marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a spiritual crisis. Maybe it's this morning and you barely made it up out of bed. Maybe you rolled out at the last minute. You fought yourself to get here. Everything was coming against you, but you still made it. You still 
got here. God still gave you enough energy to at least walk through the doors because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he will make a way for you. God is the God of sacrifice. You sacrificed your time, your energy to get here, and God's going to make a way for you at the end of this thing. I promise you. When we get finished with this, we're going to come up and we're going to pray. And I know with that, I know that God's going to meet you in this thing. That if you need a miracle, you're going to get your miracle. If you need something to get told, if you're waiting on an answer, you're going to get your answer. If you're waiting on something to happen in your life, it's going to happen today because I've done prayed for this. Your pastors have done prayed for this. I know there's other people that have prayed for this. And today, you're going to receive it. Maybe you're asking this morning why, and I would love to have given you a a more distinct answer, but that's not really what this sermon was about. I would first like to tell you if you're struggling with something, this isn't a time to run from prayer, it's to run to prayer. If you're dealing with something, this isn't a time to run from God, it's a time to run to God. What got you into the situation is you didn't really have a good communication, so when you walked with him, you kind of fell over here, and God's saying, no, you're still over here, you just don't feel like you're over here because you stopped talking to me while you were here, and now you're over here and it's just feeling kind of distant. C.S. Lewis wrote this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts at us in our pain. Rather than ask God why, why don't you begin to ask God who? Who are you praying to? Are you praying towards your situation or are you praying towards the God who can fix your situation? Are you praying towards your circumstance or the God who can change your circumstance? Are you praying to a God that, that to the thing that, that doesn't give you a temporary, it just looks at it like it's so crazy? Are you praying to the God that can give you an eternal, that says this temporary thing you're dealing with is just that, temporary. Well, on the other side, there's greener grass. Just keep pressing through. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. Now I know in part, then I know shall fully even as I am fully known. I'm going to ask my guy back there on the side to just give me a little bit of space. I thoroughly believe that when you get to this point in the service, and there's a time that you do get intimate with God, that when you make that first step, that's when God meets you. That it's almost as as if God's a mind that when you make up your mind, God meets you. That it doesn't take a lot of thought. It doesn't take a lot of planning. It's that first initial jerk that you get in your body that, oh, that's probably for me or, oh, he's probably talking to me. That's when God is trying to meet you in that area. That's when God's trying to meet you in that circumstance. So this morning, if we can all stand and just really take a moment 
very faithful to God. She prays every day for her healing. Every day. My wife prays every day for her mom to get healed. But if she walked into this room right now, she would give God glory for her healing. She doesn't know when it's going to happen. She doesn't know how it's going to happen. And here's the best part. It may not happen 